to Try, Try Again with Catherine Velez, a podcast dedicated to relationships, one with yourself and others. I thought we would talk a little bit today about your relationship with your therapist and three questions that I find come up regarding that relationship. What are you really thinking? Do you know when I'm lying? And how can you work in therapy with people you don't like? I sat with a young man several years ago who shared his story of falling in love with a beautiful woman. He worked long hours and wanted to give her the world, and he planned all things, present and future, around her. For her part, she repeatedly cheated on him, and even then he continued to forgive her and love her until ultimately she left, breaking his very tender heart. He sobbed at the pain and betrayal and then said, You must think I'm so stupid crying like this. I'm so weak. No wonder she left. Another woman talked about sexual abuse she suffered and how she survived it. She had rituals that kept her safe. She was distant in relationships. And she finished with asking, do you think I'm crazy? I mean, this must be pretty weird. Something must be wrong with me. A few years ago, I was having a conversation with an older man. He had a failing liver from years of drinking. And as he sat talking, He recounted the damaged relationships he left in the wake of his years of addiction. Because he had spent his life blaming others, even as he neared his own reckoning, he continued to blame. He was embittered and hurt, and I gently asked about possible regrets. He yelled that he had no regrets and didn't owe anyone anything. I'm not stupid, you know. I'm not crazy. Sometimes what appears to be a declaration is a question, a request for validation. So when a client asks if I think they are stupid or crazy or weird, I respond with a question that is always in the forefront of my mind when I hear these painful and poignant stories. Where did you learn or hear or get the message that loving deeply is stupid or protecting yourself is weird or living a life filled with pain and regret is crazy? The clients I see are hurt, not crazy, bewildered and confused at times, not stupid, feeling lost and alone. They are not weird. As I sit and listen to your story, as the therapists I know and work with sit and listen to your pain, how could we possibly think that you're crazy or stupid or weird? Typically, what I'm thinking is, how did you survive? How did you come through this? I'm not thinking about how I'm going to diagnose you or any of the negative things you might attribute to me or to others. Those are your thoughts, and they may be the messages you received in childhood or in other relationships, but they are not what I am thinking, or I wouldn't be able to do this job. What I am thinking is you have given me the honor of seeing you, and what I see is courage and grit and vulnerability and humor and loyalty and struggle and confusion. Why would they do this? Why would someone hurt me like that? Good therapists with good training are focused on you, and they are like mirrors. It is often a metaphor found in story and myth. A mirror reflects light to see the world around us, and mirrors are symbols of awareness reflecting our truth. Therapy is a noble, powerful, and at times dangerous endeavor or calling to look at the truth of ourselves and our experiences, to recognize that many of the messages we've been told are truths our entire lives are actually lies. And I say that it can be dangerous because once we discover the truth and deal with the pain, we are then compelled to decide for ourselves 
if we are making decisions or changing things. It can feel risky. I marvel at how you managed through such difficult and frightening situations and how you survived them. Sometimes when I reflect back this truth, I'm told by clients that it feels good to hear. And sometimes you might think I'm just being nice. Please know that I'm not being nice. It is not something I strive to be as a therapist or even as a person. I am, as your therapist, reflecting back your truth and attempting to maintain that same level of honesty and transparency and congruence. I want to stand with you as you make realizations about your life and the changes that you want to make. At times, I might challenge you to see the world in a different way, to see yourself in a different way. I've also been asked from time to time, how do you know I'm not lying? Well, there are techniques therapists can use and little tells you can learn to indicate when perhaps someone is being untruthful. I don't rely on those techniques. The reality is if you're lying, I don't necessarily know. Here's the thing. We often think of lying as being an intentional act in order to deceive someone. If you lie to me in therapy, you're deceiving yourself because as in life, in any relationship where you intentionally lie to deceive the other person, it mainly hurts you. A technique I do employ that I encourage my clients to use at times in their own relationships is to look beyond what the person is saying. Whether they are factually true or their perspective matches yours is less important sometimes than the emotion behind the words. A client may sit and relate a terrifying event or someone's unkindness and assert that it had no effect on them. Didn't bother me at all. Is that a lie? It may be a lie that person is using to protect themselves. It may be that they have so much trauma and prior hurtful history that they're numb to what happens now. I don't consider that statement a lie. I consider it a symptom of something deeper that's happening within my client. Sometimes people lie to protect their egos and their tender hearts. The truth we often need to face in therapy can be terrifying, and we sometimes need to approach it cautiously and from various angles to see how it feels and to shore ourselves up for the actual meeting with the truth. The truth resides within us, and you sometimes see it outside of ourselves as ugly and bad, and we've spent perhaps a lifetime shielding others as well as ourselves from that aspect of ourselves. We may have been taught that whatever this truth is, it is an indicator of our weakness, our weirdness, our stupidity, our ugliness, or our craziness. Showing that to another person may need to be done in steps. Your therapist knows this. You are more than the things that have happened to you or the things that have been said to you. You feel weak, but the truth is you have tremendous power to change your life, to do those things that fill your soul. When there is congruence and balance in our lives, we are able to see that the pain in life is. It exists for all of us. We talk about traumas, and I believe we all have traumas, big traumas and little traumas, heartbreak and pain from loss that brings us to our knees, guilt, regrets. We may have parts of us that at one time felt so joy-filled, and after a loss, we feel hopeless. We worry all the worry, most of which is so unnecessary. We think we can avoid pain if we can only do things a certain way, make the right decisions, choose the right path, make the right choice. It's a lie. You cannot avoid the pain. And in fact, in trying to avoid it, you may increase it. Meet it, face it. If it comes to you, you will survive it. Your life and the traumas you have survived and the pain you have endured are testaments to that fact. I have worked with numerous people who have lost children, 
spouses, entire families, and still they rise, as Maya Angelou said. I'm also asked how I can work with people I couldn't possibly like. Even in kindergarten as little ones, we learn quickly that sometimes we have to work and play with people we don't like. There is something new therapists are trained in, and it's called unconditional positive regard. It is the ability to sit with someone and find good, find the positive, find the place where we can empathize and validate our client. It takes some training and experience, but once mastered, it is a gift not only to the client, but to the therapist. My ability to access that unconditional positive regard benefits me in my work with you as my client, but it also benefits me and my personal relationships and my daily life and interacting with the store clerk or the teacher of my children or any number of personal interactions. Something I think we should all strive to attain in our interactions. There is a caveat to this, at least for me. I know there are certain groups of people for whom I could never muster unconditional positive regard. I have a built-in prejudice against and dislike of to the extent I couldn't and don't want to work with certain groups, for instance, child molesters. Some therapists can do that work. I cannot. There are times, like any relationship, we might struggle. At times, working with clients, it may feel like we are stuck. As the therapist, I may be asking you to do something and you're not able or willing to do it, or you don't understand it, or you don't agree with it. And in those moments, you may be thinking, I'm judging you, but please know that I am judging myself in those moments. If my job is to listen and to perhaps provide techniques or communication skills, and you are not grasping those, I'm sitting there thinking, I need to figure out how to do this differently. The stuckness, if you will, often lies with me. We might have sessions that are very difficult, and that is okay. That is the heart of relationship. It is the working through the difficult, appreciating the quirkiness, the humor, kindness, the tenderness, and the thoughtfulness. I can't speak for all therapists, but I encourage you at any time in our sessions together, if you're wondering what I am thinking, please ask. As always, you can reach me at my website, katherinekempvelez.com. Have a week filled with love and meaning.